This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. We've been in this series called Rise Now. For those of you that haven't been with us for a while, we've been going through the book of Nehemiah one chapter at a time, and it's been really good. Tonight, we're going to actually pick up with chapter 2, verse 11. So if you have your Bibles, go there with me. We've been talking about the need to rise by returning and rebuilding. Tonight is part two of rebuild. We're going to be talking about what it means to rebuild. And we're going to look at chapter two, verse 11. If you're there, say, I'm there, Pastor Jay. Well, some of you are. (laughs) Verse 11. So I went to Jerusalem and was there for three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me, but the one on which I rode. So I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate. How many of you guys know that they uh, had interesting names for stuff back in the day? The dung gate. How do you like that one? And he says, I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was underneath me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall, and I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, And I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were with me to do the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall. Say, build the wall. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. Now, this is an interesting moment for Nehemiah. Nehemiah is here inspecting the damage that's been done because of the forces that have assaulted Jerusalem over and over again. And here he is at the wall inspecting the damage by night, not letting anybody know what he's doing. And he's also inspecting the gates, say the walls and the gates. I believe the walls of the city and the gates of the city in addition to being a physical location, are meant to serve as a living metaphor for our lives, and more specifically, for our minds. Tonight, I want to talk to us about rebuilding the walls and gates of your mind. I want to talk about what it means to renew your mind. Let's talk about the walls and gates for just a moment here. Walls are interesting in that walls represent what? Fortification. Walls are used to keep people out and to keep safe those that are inside the boundaries. They're used to fortify and protect. They're used to safeguard that which is meant to be kept safe. We see in the medieval ages when they would erect castles and build these amazing castles, and what would they do? They would make sure that all of the walls were strong and fortified. Anybody remember the movie Lord of the Rings? You guys remember that second movie where they're they're doing their final stand at Helm's Deep? It's this castle built into the mountain and all the forces of darkness are coming against them. And what are they doing? They're manning the gaps and the walls. They're standing at their post. They've fortified everything. But the problem is there's a little vulnerable area, isn't there? 
it's an area where there was a hole. And so we have to be careful when talking about the walls of our lives that we don't allow gaps or holes to exist. More on that in a moment. Gates, on the other hand, are used to do what? To grant access or to prohibit entry. Meaning that people are meant to come and go through the what? Through the gates. And what do armies who are invading a territory typically want to ram first? The gates. You guys have seen like every medieval movie where they've got like six guys carrying a big old log. And what are they doing? We're going to ram the gate. And what are they doing? They're slamming it over and over and over. Why are they spending so much time on that access point? Because they know if they can get through that point, they can get in behind the walls and do havoc. So the walls and the gates are very important and they're important symbols in our lives. So I want to ask the question, what do the walls of your mind look like? What is fortified and safe within the realm of your thoughts? What do the gates of your mind look like? What or whom are you allowing access to come in and out of your mind and or thoughts? Are you spending too much time allowing other people to have access to your thoughts through social media and influence? Through entertainment, what is being permitted or granted access to your mind, to your thoughts? Let's face it, so much of what we face in life, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a doctor, a lawyer, a pastor, come on, a construction worker, a business owner, so much of what we face in life happens within the realm of the mind. That's why, as one author says, the mind is a battlefield. The mind is a battlefield. And because the mind is a battlefield, I believe we as a church and as a people need to be more intentional with how we go about safeguarding our walls and tending to our gates. Amen? The truth is this. Each and every one of us has been given something from God that we're called to protect and safeguard and cherish and fortify. And that is our minds. And the Bible tells us via Romans 12 verse two, that our minds actually need to be renewed. So the title of my message tonight is this, renewing the walls and gates of your mind. Let's read this scripture together, Romans 12, two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern, say discern, what is the will of God. Discernment is not just for the super spiritual. Discernment is for each and every believer. If you hear somebody say, well, I'm just really gifted at discernment, you should say, oh, so am I. Because I have been given the spirit of God, not the spirit of the world. So congratulations, we're on the same team. But what separates some of us that are mature from those that sometimes are often immature is the fact that some of us have never grown and our ability to discern what is of the world and what is of the will of God. That's why we need our minds renewed. And he goes on to say, so that we can discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Right now in the cultural moment that we're living in, this is the time for us as the people of God to grab a hold of this. 
Because we need to be able to discern what is good and acceptable and perfect, especially when somebody comes with a counterfeit gospel or a perversion or a slight alteration of something that is going to lead your life on a trajectory towards destruction. What does Jesus say? Broad is the way that leads to what? Destruction. But narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. And so we need our minds renewed. For many Christians, when they get saved, they think, all right, I'm a new creation in Christ. And guess what? That is true. You are, but you still need your mind renewed. You still need to refortify and rebuild the walls and gates of your mind. How do I know this? Well, psychologists tell us that addictions and patterns of addiction happen within the pathways of what? our minds. It's like trenches. If you've talked to somebody who's a drug user or you know somebody personally who's done a lot of drugs, what have they done? They've dug a trench. They've burned a gap into their neural pathways that allows them to access those feelings and those emotions like that. And what do they need? They need their minds to be renewed. That's why it's not just enough for you to make a confession that you're going to follow Jesus. It starts with your confession of faith, but then it moves into the realm of Romans 12 too, where you begin to have your mind renewed. You need your thoughts renewed. You need your life renewed. And this is meant to be a daily deal, guys. It's not one and done. Wouldn't it be great though, if it were? Like, woo, I got my mind renewed tonight. All of life is good and I'm ready to go. In my experience, and I've been following Jesus for over 30 something years now, I still need my mind renewed. There's still old patterns of thinking and paradigms of, of, of doing life that God wants to grab a hold of and shake me free from through the power of renewal, through the power of renewal. Ultimately, the world and the spirit of this age that you and I are up against right now wants us to conform to its pattern of brokenness and distorted living. But the Spirit of God is inviting each and every one of us to be equipped and empowered to have our minds renewed, say transformed. The goal for every single Christian, for every single person who puts their hope, faith, and trust in Jesus is to experience transformation. But can I tell you, it's not going to happen in just one fuzzy moment before the Lord. I wish it were, you guys. I can tell you that some of you will come into an environment like this and you'll worship your hearts out and then on Monday all hell will break loose. And then you'll have to make a decision with your mind as to how you're going to respond. Am I going to respond with the old patterns and ways of doing life or am I going to respond by yielding to the work of the Spirit? That's what we're going to get into tonight. How do we have our minds renewed? How do we do this? I believe there's some actual practical application here that God wants you and I to lean into. Are you with me tonight? So I want to look at three biblical ways, say three ways, three ways that you and I can have our minds renewed. How many of you guys would like to have your minds renewed in 2022? I hope every hand is up, even if it's just a, a short hand. Ephesians chapter five, verses 15 through 18. I love this passage of scripture. Let's read it together. Paul says to the church at Ephesus, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Last week we talked about the wise builder versus the foolish builder, right? About developing the heart of a builder. And he goes on to say, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. The days are evil, which means there's 
You know what? You want my paraphrase? Which means there's so much opportunity for you and I to get into trouble every day. You step out of your front door and it's like, ah, evil all, all over the place on every side because the days are evil. He says, therefore he repeats it. Do not be foolish. Don't be a dummy. Okay. But understand what the will of the Lord is. How do we understand what the will of the Lord is? By having our minds renewed. We just read it, right? And here's the first step. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Number one today, in order to have your mind renewed, you've got to be filled with the Spirit of God. Because it is the work of the Spirit that brings about the work of renewal. So you guys can't do this in the flesh. As much as you might try to sit there, have you ever tried to sit there and just like think on something like, oh, I'm just going to think on one thought. And then all of a sudden you start thinking about lasagna. You start thinking about something else at work. A random quote from a movie pops in your head. You're trying to pray and you're like, I'm going to renew my mind today. And what happens? Your mind starts to drift because it's not the work of the flesh. It's not your ability to, to muster up strength and energy and power and discipline and will. As great as all those things are, it's the work of the Spirit. It's the work of the Spirit. Listen to Romans 8, 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is what? Death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Some of you need peace. You need to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Some of you need life. You need to cooperate with the work of the Spirit. What's our job? It's to set our mind on the Spirit. It's to cooperate with him. It's to, here's the word I like to use, yield to his inner workings in our life. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, thank you, Jesus, but the spirit who is from God. And why does God give us his spirit? Because he just wants us to feel warm and fuzzy? No. That we might understand the things freely given by grace from God. God has given you guys things. And the only way that you're going to access them is by yielding to the work of the spirit. You know what excites me about this? It means that there's things in store for all of us that are just locked up and waiting for us to do what? To understand them. I talked about, I think it was last week, maybe it was two weeks ago, about our need for wisdom and understanding. Proverbs says a house is built by what? Wisdom. And it is established by what? Understanding. We need wisdom. We need understanding. Because the Lord wants to help you with your gifts. He wants to help you with the deposit he's made in you. He wants to help you active, activate and actualize your purpose for living. Otherwise, when you got saved, you would have just been like, whoop, going up to heaven. We got jobs to do. We got work to do. Come on, we're here to make an impact. But we need the work of the Spirit to help us. The Spirit comes that we may know his life and his peace and might understand the things given to us by God, which means that we need to embrace the process not resist the work of the Spirit. Here's what happens. We get saved, and we're like, woo, Jesus saved me, and we rush out to tell everybody. You guys remember doing that? You're like, woo, I'm going to get this guy saved. I'm going to get this gal saved. It's going to be awesome. Everybody's going to get saved. It's going to be a party. And then what happens? We face 
opposition. We face problems. We start to realize that even within us, God starts to do a work and expose the stuff that needs what? Transformation, renewal. God starts to say, the way you used to think when you're operating in the world is no longer the way that I want you to think within the kingdom and economy of God. Your economy, which was once built on fear, has now been replaced by an economy built on faith. I need to retrain you. I need to rebuild you up in the way that you should go so that you can understand the things I want to do in your life. I see so many people get stuck, and this is their lid. Boink, right here. And anytime they try to break through, they're like, ah, it it hurts. It's painful. You know why it's painful? Because you're breaking through a wall. When you break through the wall, you're going to be bloody. You're going to have some marks and some scrapes and some stories. But guess what? God will use it. And he does use it to make your mess his message. To see you redeemed and to see all the pain and experience that you go through be utilized to bless another person. So when you face opposition, don't be discouraged. Don't blame the devil. He doesn't care if you get a flat tire on the way to work. Don't make it personal. (laughs) You know what he cares about, though? You becoming the kind of person who walks in step with the Holy Spirit, who yields to the work of the Holy Spirit, who understands the things freely given by grace from God. That's what he cares about. Because he knows that you're going to make a generational impact and a difference. He's more concerned about God's kingdom not being advanced in your family than it is your flat tire and inconveniencing your day. Now, if the devil is inconveniencing your day, come talk with me. We'll pray for you, okay? But the truth is, what really advances the work of God is when you and I begin to become filled with the Spirit. And here's what I love about this passage that oftentimes gets overlooked. Ephesians chapter 5, we just read it, verse 15 through 18. Paul says, don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. A better translation and rendering of the Greek phrase, be filled with the Spirit, is this, to go on being filled with the Spirit. You know what I like about this? It means it's not a one and done experience. It means that God's intention for your life and for my life is for this to happen each and every day. What gets in the way of that happening? A bad view of Scripture a bad view of the work of the Spirit. Let me illustrate it for you. When I first became saved and I heard this verse preached as a young person, I used to think that my life was like a cup. Matt, can I borrow that? Why not? Thank you, sir. I promise not to spill it. But if I do, you're going to forgive me. I used to view my life like this, like a cup. And God would fill me up And then I'd rush out into the world and do all these works in Jesus' name and then come crawling back to the altar. And then God would fill me up and I'd rush out into the world and do all these works in Jesus' name and then I'd come crawling back to the altar again. Because I viewed my life like a cup. But can I tell you, thank you, Matthew. You're a kind soul. I don't have the COVID, you're good. But can I tell you that's actually an inaccurate picture because your life was never meant to be just a cup. That's depleted and poured out. Your life was meant to be a hose through which the spirit can continue to flow. Now, do we have to address kinks in the hose from time to time? Oh, you betcha. Oh, yeah. Are there obstacles and blockages that get in the way? Oh, you better believe it. 
But our life is meant to be a conduit, a host, a channel through which the spirit can flow. How do I know this? Because Jesus said, if you believe in me, out of you will come rivers of living water. It's hard to contain a river in a cup, isn't it, gang? But a channel, a conduit, have you ever seen when they open up the dam or the levee? (sighs) Guys, remember when all the floods happened down in Louisiana and they had to open the levee? There's songs about the levee breaking, right? And so what are they doing? They're allowing the rivers to flow. That's an illustration of your life and my life when we do this, when we go on being filled with the Spirit. And that's the invitation each and every day to become a conduit through which his power and his grace and his love and his forgiveness can flow. What a calling. What a responsibility. What an opportunity. Amen? So number one, we've got to go on being filled with the spirit if we're going to have our minds renewed. Number two, you need to focus your thoughts on Jesus. You need to focus your thoughts on Jesus. Isaiah 26.3 says this in the ESV, you keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is what? Stayed on you. That word stayed means fixated. It's the word we use for focus. You keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is focused on you because he trusts in you. I believe it's by focusing our thoughts on Jesus that you and I are going to find peace. Some of you, I know your stories, and oftentimes you're operating without peace. You want to know why? Because you haven't kept your mind focused on Jesus. Can I tell you, it is so easy to get off, to allow our focus to move from being on Jesus to being on our problems. God is inviting us as a people to be the kinds of people whose thoughts are focused on Christ, no matter what storms erupt around us. No matter what happens, we can be a people whose minds are set on Jesus. And the work of that is bringing about peace. The word peace here in the Hebrew is the word shalom. Anybody heard of that that word before? Shalom is a big word in the Bible, and it's used over and over and over to mean this, completeness, wholeness, health, welfare. Do any of you guys lack any of this right now? Then you need to ask yourself, where are your thoughts? Are they focused on Jesus or are they focused on the problem? In the New Testament, it's the peace of God. It's the shalom of God that brings understanding. Listen to Philippians chapter four, verse seven, and the peace of God, Paul says, which surpasses understanding. It means it transcends. It goes even further than understanding. Let's throw that verse up there. The peace of God, next slide, which surpasses all understanding will do what? It will guard your heart and your mind. It'll guard your heart and mind. It'll be like the watchman on the walls in the gates of your mind, guarding it fortifying it, protecting it, helping you establish healthy boundaries within it. It'll guard your heart and your mind. As I've already said, we need the walls and gates of our hearts and minds guarded, and we need them renewed. And this is a big way that we do that, by focusing our thoughts 
on Jesus because we become like what we behold. We become like what we behold, which is why you and I need to spend more and more time beholding Jesus than complaining about our problems. Every time you complain, you come into alignment and you make a verbal and mental agreement with the problem and not with Jesus. Jesus called this out in his disciples all the time. You know how he did it? He said, oh, you have little faith. You know what he was trying to say? He wasn't trying to say that you lack faith altogether. He's just saying your faith is small because you have made an agreement with fill in the blank that God can't. And anytime we do that, it's dangerous because we start to limit and package God into this nice little cozy box that we can put our hands around and hug. Oh, my God is so good. He just kind of does what I like and kind of thinks like I do. And he's just this, this genie in the sky that every now and then throws out a Pez from his holy Pez dispenser. Just a little taste of the glory. Can I tell you guys? We are going to spend eternity. If you think your favorite rock concert or whatever is great, we're going to spend eternity going, wow, whoa, read Revelation. The saints and the angels and the elders around the throne are going, holy, 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 Wow! And they're throwing their glory and their crowns down at the feet of Jesus because they're seeing a new side of him every time he moves or shifts or does something in the heavenlies. I'm telling you guys, it's going to blow our ever-living mind how awesome God is. And then we're going to look back on our small little length of days on earth and go, why did we limit God to this little box? The invitation for you this year in 2022 is to allow God to burst your box. And if Pastor Jason or Pastor Candace or somebody needs to come along and chuck a holy hand grenade into that sucker and help you, hey, consider us signed up for the task. We'll do it. But get ready because there's going to be some shrapnel. One of the ways that we Renew our minds is by having our thoughts focused on Jesus, fixate on Jesus. We can do this three ways. Here's, here's some practical application. Are you ready? We can spend time in God's presence. We're going to do that this Tuesday at seven for our night of worship, and it's going to be awesome. We can do this by spending time with God in prayer. A couple weeks ago, I talked about the need to return to your secret place. Some of you who have never fasted this year, it's time to fast, baby. It's time to get in that lane. Come on, we'll help you. We'll equip you. We're good people. It's time to get back to prayer. And it's also through spending time in God's word. And this leads me to point number three today. In order to have our minds renewed, we need to set our mind, next slide, on things above. On things above. Colossians chapter three, verse two says it this way. Are you ready? Set your mind on things that are above. You're like, man, that Jason is so creative. I don't know where he gets his material from. Here it is. Not on things that are on the earth. Not on things that are on the earth. Well, easier said than done, right? So how do we do this practically? Here we go. Here's six ways that we can do this practically. 
We set our mind on things above by first reading God's word, which means that you and I, we need to not just read it, but ingest it. We need to allow it to penetrate our thoughts on a daily basis. We need to, number two, meditate on God's word. That means ponder it. When you walk away from reading the Bible, you shouldn't just be like, all right, cool, let's see what's on Netflix. Spend a little time pondering. Now, for you contemplatives out there, this is like your favorite step because you're like sitting there with your coffee and your leather chair kicked back. You're like just pondering the things of God. If you've got a goatee, you're just kind of sitting there doing that. You're pondering. That's actually the picture I want you to have. Pastor Jason sitting back in a leather chair, just, hmm, ponder it. Number three, you memorize it. When we were kids, we used to do these things called sword drills. Anybody remember those? Sword drills were this little activity within kids and youth ministry where the preacher would call out a verse and you'd have to open your Bible and find it really fast. Nehemiah chapter two. And the first person to do it would win the point. And you divide into teams. And so what were you doing? You were trying to commit God's word to memory. You were trying to remember where it is outside of the table of contents, of course. But you're also trying to be able to access it at any point. So that, number four, you could begin to sing it. You need to vocalize it. Some of you, I'm going to quote my friend Doug here, Doug, if you're watching. Some of you have voices that only Jesus loves. That's okay. There's a place for you which instantly ups your game. Are you ready for it? It's called the shower. The shower makes everybody sound good. Amen? The shower has all this reverb and this echo. Maybe if you've got a big one, like a little bit of delay, 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 delay. A little trail. You're hitting those notes. You're like, man, I'm a good singer. Pastor Jason, sign me up for the worship team. And then you get out of that bathroom and you're like, oh, just kidding. Some of you have voices that only Jesus loves, but here's the cool part. Every single one of us was made to sing. Every single one of us. God has put within our hearts eternity. And can I tell you, you need to start singing eternity's song. You need to start vocalizing and coming into harmony with God's word so that you can sing it. So that number five, you can then begin to post it. Visualize it. For some of you, that's writing something on your mirror. Some of you, it's putting a reminder on your iPhone. For some of you, it's, it's having a nice little you know, Hobby Lobby picture up on your wall (laughs) with some generic scripture. It doesn't matter. Visualize it. The truth is most of us in this room, and you guys are doing a great job of, of really staying focused tonight. Maybe it's the coffee. I don't know. But some of us, most of us are visual learners. Are you a visual learner? Raise your hand. Yeah, so what do we try to do? We try to do some of these other things. and We're like, ah, this, this is a struggle. Well, great. There's a step for you, and it's called visualization. You need to write it out. That's why in the, in the Old Testament, they would say, bind it around your arm, put it on your forehead, put it on your post of your house, like visualize God's word. So that number six, you can speak God's word. In other words, use it. The word of God is, is called the sword. It's called the sword of the spirit. It's not meant just to be ingested and pondered and committed and vocalized and visualized. It's also meant to be a tool and a weapon that we use against the enemy in our life. But if you don't know the word of God, if you never read the word of God, guess what? You can't speak the word of God. If you don't know it and you don't meditate on memorize it and sing it and post it, you can't use it. So my question is, how are you using God's word? Do you come back at those problems or strife with the word of God or do you come back with the work of the flesh? Each and every one of us can get sucked into that game. But remember, we've been given the spirit that is not of the world, but of, of God. God. 
Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says. Verse 15 through 16, the spiritual person judges all things. I thought we weren't supposed to judge anybody. Well, the spiritual person, according to Paul, judges all things, meaning they discern all things. They discern rightly. But is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Who can do it? But we have the mind of Christ. Friends, we've been given the mind of Christ. We've not received the spirit of the world. We've received the spirit that is from God. And it is God and his work within our life that imparts wisdom and understanding in our lives. And because we've been given the mind of Christ, or you could even say the mindset of Christ, we can feed on God's word and we can rebuild and renew the walls and gates of our minds so that we can experience daily transformation. My hope for us and my prayer for you is that you would go on being filled. If you've never asked God to fill you with his spirit, there's no time like the now time. Begin to make this a part of your daily repertoire where you get up in the morning and you say, God, fill me today so that I can be a conduit for your power, so I can be a conduit for your glory, so I can be a conduit for your grace. And bring about understanding. Give me the mindset of Christ. Help me to fix my thoughts on Jesus and my thoughts on things above so that I'm not distracted easily by the things of the world. That's my prayer for you guys, that you would know the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and that it would guard, that it would build, that it would renew your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen? You receive that tonight? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your encouragement to us, God. Thank you, Lord, that the eternal things don't have to be difficult. They can be practical. Lord, this is stuff that we can put into motion today, not 10 years from now when we're all experts, but today. Father God, I pray for any person in this room tonight who's never seen your word in this light through this perspective. I pray that you'd bring revelation to them so that that, that can move us from revelation to application. You said in James, don't just read the word, but be doers of the word so as not to forget what you look like when you walk away from the mirror. Well, some of us, Lord, that's our daily struggle. We, we hear a great word or we read your word, we walk away and we forget who we are in Christ. Lord, my prayer for them tonight and for anybody watching online or listening to this message through our podcast is that you would renew their mind day by day, that you'd bring about the work of transformation in their life, God that it would be a work of, of not striving, but a work of your spirit. Father, help us not to strive after the things that you actually freely give us. That's like being mad at our children for going to the fridge to get a glass of milk when you've put so many goodies in there for us to access each and every day by faith and not as orphans, but as sons and daughters of the most high God, fully rested in and assured of who they are in Christ Jesus because of your work on that cross. Father, I'm aware that there might be people that have never surrendered their life to you tonight. They've never made the decision to go all in. Well, this is your moment. If you're here tonight or you're watching this message or listening to it online, this is your moment. I believe in the power of moments. I believe in the power of saying yes to the work of God. Maybe the Holy Spirit's been convicting you this time that you've been feeding on all the wrong things. You've been filling your mind with, with endless entertainment and with ideas that look more like the world and less like Jesus. Well, tonight is your night. Today is your day. And so God, I just want to extend this opportunity to anybody that's never made that decision to repent and to follow you, 
to surrender and yield their life to you, God, what a beautiful decision. What a beautiful exchange to give you our baggage, our hurt, our habits, our hangups, and to receive your eternal life, your Zoe life, your transformative life, your good life. So I want to do this. If you're here tonight, you've never made that decision, or you're watching or listening, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer that we pray almost every week. And it goes like this. Jesus, Savior. Jesus, Messiah. The anointed one, the saving one. Save me. Do what only you can do. Help me to start afresh in you. Come, be the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender my heart to you afresh today. I'm going all in for you today. I believe that you are who you said you are. I believe that you died on that cross for me and that God raised you to life again. I may not even understand the full ramifications of that yet, but I believe and I'm going all in today. Jesus, come and give me a new life of freedom and hope. Come make all things new. Come help me begin this process of having my mind renewed through the power of your Holy Spirit operating in my life. Jesus, I want that. You said you would freely give it if I ask. Well, I'm asking today. And Jesus, mighty, wondrous, powerful, resurrected name. Amen. Can we put our hands together tonight? Come on. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.